Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to another Forza Italian Football Podcast. Round 25 has happened and there's a new leader at the top of the Serie A table. Milan sit there having leapfrogged both Inter and Napoli this weekend. I'm Conor Clancy. I'm joined by Vito Doria as always. Vito, hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright, Conor. <laughs> Just another day. Not too bad, not too bad. <laughs> and you and Burns, you are also here. How are you keeping? I'm all right. I've had a nice weekend of many, many games. You've had a nice weekend. That's good. Kev's not here this weekend, guys, because he's watching American football, despite not knowing <laughs> what American football is yeah. or any of the rules of American football. So, Kev, you've abandoned us this week, and we will be holding that against you for the rest of the season. But round 25 was a good one, guys, wasn't it? Because we've We've had a lot of change at the top. There was a big win at the bottom and some interesting results in the middle as well. It all started on Saturday afternoon with Lazio beating Bologna 3-0. Then Napoli played Inter and they drew 1-1, opening the door for Milan to go top on Sunday afternoon. But before that game happened, Venezia moved out of the relegation zone by beating Torino 2-1 in Turin. Bit of controversy at the end of that one. Milan did then accept the invitation that had been sent to them by beating Samp 1-0 to go top. Verona beat Udinese 4-0. Genoa Salernitana played at a 1-1 draw at a game I was at, and uh, we'll talk about that just a little bit later on. Um, Empoli Cagliari was 1-1 as well. Sassuolo Roma was 2-2. Atalanta Juve was 1-1. And then Spezia Fiorentina is being played on Monday night, so we won't be talking about that naturally. <sighs> just before we get into it, I'd like to remind all of our listeners that you can join our growing community over on patreon.com slash Forza Italian football this week. We will have a couple of extra, extra content going up. I recorded a podcast at the Tardini where I was for, for Parma's 4-1 win over Pordenone on Saturday. And then I'll also be writing an article based on my infiltration of the Salernitana Ultras this afternoon for their game. And let me tell you, it was an experience. <laughs> it, it was an experience that I wasn't expecting to see some of the things that I saw today. So I would encourage people to head to patreon.com slash forward Italian football for that. Because I think it's going to be a fun thing to write. That should be going out midweek. Um, but let's start with the biggest game of the weekend. And what was the biggest game of the weekend coming into it? It was first against either second or third. I think it was first against second, but I can't really remember. Napoli hosted Inter. Lorenzo Insigne put them 1-0 up early on from the penalty spot to make him Napoli's all-time leading goal scorer ahead of Diego Maradona having leveled last week or the week before. I can't remember. But then Edin Dzeko scored a crucial goal for Inter just after halftime veto. And it's a game that 
both teams will feel a little bit disappointed that they didn't take three points from, but ultimately they'll be relieved that they didn't lose. I agree with that assessment, but I will say that I felt that uh, Napoli perhaps should have had this game uh, wrapped before half time because uh, they were creating better chances and I thought they were playing the better football in the first half. And after Jacko got the goal early in the second half, um, the game turned out to be a bit of a disappointment for me. It seemed that Napoli were avoiding defeat, but at the same time, although Inter had more of the ball, I didn't think they were sharp enough to break Napoli down. So their attacking play looked rather predictable. And perhaps uh, the absence of Alessandro Bastoni not making those uh, forward runs and adding an extra man in the attacking phase. Uh, I wonder if that made quite a significant difference. I think you're onto something there. And it's weird to talk about the absence of a centre-back being a loss in the team's attacking play. But Bastoni is so important to what they do going forward. I think you've got a point. But this is a game you and that Inter were definitely not the better side in. And I'm often reluctant to say that a team were better because they had more of the ball because that's not always the case and although it felt like Napoli had more of the ball they actually were outplayed on possession but Napoli were the better team here and it's a strange one but Samir Andanovic is a big part of the reason why Inter got out of here without losing on on Saturday afternoon yeah, I think as as is always the case with these games between teams at the top, there's always a sort of glass half empty, glass half full way of looking at it. So, you know, they can think the two games against Milan and Napoli, they've taken one point and that's not good. But also this game with Napoli, Napoli was so much better, particularly in the first half, and they really had to weather a storm into it. The game was really nicely poised in the sense that Napoli were creating and they were you know, really good. Asimov was really enjoying himself. But Inter still did pose a threat. You know, it, it was limited, but you know, they're into they score goals. We, you could still see that they were capable of scoring. And then, you know, the, the goal was fortunate, but you know, they took it. It's it's a it's a good finish to react to. And then I think they they have to they have to feel positive that they got out of this game with not necessarily with a point, but with Napoli not getting three points. I think that was really important. They didn't play well, and they didn't let Napoli get away from them how what did they do that didn't allow Napoli to get away from them was it was it just a case of them getting a little bit of luck and Handanovic having a great performance or is there more to it than that no I think that was it I more meant get away in terms of points in the table um I think they on another day they could have found themselves two or three nil down at halftime because you know the chances were there um Napoli will feel that they were slightly wasteful I'm, I'm struggling to think of Really, really clear-cut chances that Napoli yeah. missed. But there was just lots of promising... You know, the, the one that comes to mind is the Insigne overhead kick, where little ones like that, if he just lets it drop slightly for, slightly further down, he probably scores. They hit the and woodwork was, as well, didn't they? Or have I invented yeah. that in the first half? No, I'm sure they did. I can't remember who now. But, um, have I, I've, I've just no said idea. a name. I've just said a name, though. <laughs> I don't know why I said his name, but I've said it. They hit the woodwork in the first half. He was involved a lot. It could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, either way, they, they were better and they nearly scored goals and that probably means they hit the woodwork at some point. 
But yeah, I think I think I think Inter have to just think, you know, we were very good and we got a point. So be it. As far as moments go in the course of a season, Vito, that Eden Jacko equaliser. If we get to the end of the season and Inter are top of the league, I think it was Nima Tavali who pointed out on Twitter that that moment is one that will need to be remembered as big in Inter's title win if it is to come. Would you go along with that assessment? I think it's a fair one by Neymar because this was a big fixture and both teams are contenders for the title. Uh, When you see these games and you look back on them, uh, that goal would have been a crucial one. Like you said, if uh, the Nerazzurri do go on to win the title, um, it's important to be consistent and when you win titles, uh, obviously you got to get more points than everyone else. And you do that by putting all these consistent runs along and not just being, you know, collecting points on a good day and then on an off day you lose. Uh, the best teams, they can get points regardless if they play well or, poor, or poorly. Uh, into this season, they've continued the work that they had under Conte, under Inzaghi. They're still winning. They're still playing well. And uh, although they're having this patch where they're struggling to score more than a goal a game, I think they're they're able to win the title and get um, it's these little things. Yeah, they'll they'll be remembered. Speaking of little things, Vito, and the exact opposite of that is Kaladu Kulabeli's return to Napoli from Afcon. He was excellent again. Just he, he slotted right back in seamlessly worked in that team and, and he was just at the very top of his game. Uh, well, the thing with Koulibaly is that uh, he perhaps uh, what let down a little bit uh, with the equaliser from Dzeko. Um, I think although Koulibaly did well to close down the force most of the time, I reckon on the Dzeko goal... Um, if Di Lorenzo bothered to clear the ball properly, maybe Kulobali would not have had to try to shut down Jacko. But the way that ball deflected off Di Lorenzo, I don't think Kulobali could have done mm. too much about it. It just seemed that the ball was able to sit perfectly for Jacko to put the ball into the net. Otherwise, um, you didn't think that Kulobali looked uh, tired or that his awareness was poor. Um, you know, defensively was sound, and at least when bring ball at the back, he's usually um, very good at that too. He carried that Afcon winning form into into this performance for sure. But you and there was something about Kulabali that triggered me over the weekend, and it's not his fault by any stretch, but it's it it's the these tweets annoy me when people just tweet a video and make it seem like it's something that it isn't. So. There was a moment in this where a ball was played through to Denzel Dumfries on the right. And it's a foot race between him and Koulibaly. And Koulibaly wins the foot race because the ball is always rolling towards him anyway. So he's got an advantage. He wins a sliding tackle and then passes the ball. And the tweet is Koulibaly is just too good. Right. Now, while I agree with that sentiment, that's just him doing his job. It's like at the end of Pirlo's career when people were tweeting videos of of Pirlo completing a 10-yard pass to his left and then getting the ball back and completing another 10-yard pass to his right and saying, 
look how good this man is. Like, yes, he is, but this isn't an example of it. This is him just being a defender or a midfielder. I think these sorts of things come from the particularly the Koulibaly one. It's the it's the fanfare around the fact that he's just won Afcon and now he's back and all of that. It meant almost anything that he did in this game was gonna be sort of it was gonna be honed in on even more. So you know, say say Vlavic at Juve now. And anything he does for the next couple of weeks and for the past week is going to be bigged up even more than it would if he was just there normally doing normal things. Um, it was a brilliant piece of defending, but like I say, it wasn't quite, you know, this man is the best thing since sliced bread, etc. which, you know, that's what a lot of sentiments on Twitter are like. But that, that sort of tweet bangs, doesn't it, for people? If, you, if, you, if you're first to get hold of a, of a clip, then, you know, if your clip starts getting traction, then you're sorted. So yeah. maybe they're just smarter than us. Thankfully, the, the video has been removed <laughs> because I'm looking at the numbers. I, I did just notice that. 412 <laughs> retweets and 2,138 likes. There's 127 quote tweets as well, but they're not necessarily always a good thing. Usually quote tweets mean bad. So yeah, my, my yeah. quote tweet of that tweet is an example of that, but... It's still numbers, it's still engagement, it's still interaction, it's still what people crave when they post these things. And I need to get better at not giving it to them when their tweets are daft, but sometimes <laughs> they just have a shorter patience than others. But that draw did, of course, open a door for Milan to take top spot. And Vito, they hosted your Sampdoria on Sunday afternoon and they grasped that opportunity with both hands. It was a win that uh, the Rossoneri certainly needed, as it does take them to the top. And uh, probably performance-wise, I thought they definitely were the much better team in the first half. And in the second half, although Sampdoria had the patches where they had some good possession, the Blucerciati didn't test Mike Manian often enough. Only Candreva had a, you know fairly tame shot really that really tested him otherwise there was not much from the wayside if anything uh, Vladimiro Falcone in the Sampdoria goal probably prevented the game from looking more embarrassing for some he made some incredible saves especially the one from uh, Junior Messias near the end of the first half so um, I'm sure Rossoneri fans they'll be happy with the three points but uh, they perhaps would have felt they could have had a bit more gloss to it if Falcone didn't make those quality saves. Vito, are you surprised watching this how, like you say, despite Sampdoria really not creating a lot, um, how they were genuinely still in the game right until the very end? Like, it was surprising how Milan didn't just kill them off. It was I'd be worried if I was a Milan fan because that was wasteful towards the end. Well, that, that was the thing. If uh, Sampdoria had a bit more audacity to actually take more shots or actually put in some crosses because Milan, they were defending deep and they were blocking the central channels. Um, yeah, if Samp had a bit more of a crack in that final third, maybe Samp could have got away with a draw. But uh, yeah, that's just one of those things. There were times that with Samp... Um, I felt with the starting lineup was poor and Gianpaolo probably finished off having a better team at the end of the game. So it made me wonder what could have been if the team that finished the game had started it, maybe there might have been uh, the potential for an upset. 
must be said though, after Manyan's heroics in the derby in the previous round, I think even if Sump did put in more shots, it still would have been a battle. I think the quality of the shots would have had to improve. And uh, given the dilemma with the forwards recently, with uh, Gabbiadini being ruled out for the season with a knee injury, Jovinko just coming into the team, and Quayarella, he came off the bench, but he's just returned from a muscular injury. Um, yeah, it would have been a tough day, uh, even if we were able to put more shots on target and actually put Manyan under greater pressure. I've got to say, I, I, I've not seen any of this game because I was en route to Genova for Genova Salonitana. Was Torres be able to complete a pass? Oh, that's a good question. Um, because, yeah, for for this Giampaolo system, he's not, he's not the right fit. Unfortunately, he's looking a bit like uh, what Edgar Barreto was a few years ago. Oh, here we ago, go. So. You've got your new one. <laughs> not, look, he's not as bad as Barreto, but I think with Torsby, he's, he's a hard worker and he's a fighter. Uh, so he suited Ranieri's way of playing. I think for Giampaolo's football, you need more technical players. So you could see the difference when uh, Alban Ekdal came onto the pitch, uh, the likes of Vieira and Sabiri, although they're not proven players as such, but they're a bit more technical than Thorsby. So, um, yeah, I don't think uh, Thorsby would be able to thrive if, um, let's say, Sampdoria do survive relegation and Giampaolo stays on. I think maybe he would be better off under a different coach where you do not need to do a lot on the ball. For him, he's best if he just runs direct and uh, makes late runs in the box or drops back to help the defence. He's not a guy that's going to be passing the ball around. And yeah, I did see on Twitter from a few people I follow that uh, his passing was not up to scratch. And uh, those assessments were more than fair. I'd like to let it be known that Rafael Leal did more nice things, or specifically one thing, being the goal, where he just... It was largely down to... I can't remember which defender it was now. You'll know, Vito. Doesn't but matter. He, he, just, yeah, Beres- he's Berezinski. Yeah, Berezinski had a horrible one ones, by the way. He's one of my ones. So he had a horrible He just danced past him in like in a way that was impressive but also like far too easy mm. <laughs> like Liao could do that anyway against a really good defender but it was really easy and he just slotted in it was sort of like a goal from FIFA really it was you know because it's him he just made it look cool and effortless and I enjoyed it and I think he should get airtime for it <laughs> I don't know if you saw but as soon as you mentioned Rafael Leo's name I just started smiling because I was trying to think, because we spoke about him last week, we spoke about him on the preview pod, and while Vito was speaking, I was trying to think of a way, all right, how can I get us to talk about Rafael Leao again? And not necessarily say anything new, but just (laughs) talk about how bloody good he is and how funny he is. I, I love him. I'm not afraid to say it. I love Rafael Leao. And... I don't know if I've got an addiction to him, but there it is. <laughs> Make of that what you will. I love him. Well, I think you know he's probably the second best Portuguese winger in the league, <laughs> behind the one and only Nani. 
Oh, I was well, as you said that I was thinking who else is Portuguese? Well, to be honest, as I was saying, I was trying to think: is there any uh, anyone other than Nanny that, that, this, that this can be misconstrued as? Because <laughs> what if there is one? I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> who actually could be deemed better? <laughs> I, if anyone said else said that, I'd know it was a joke. But with you saying that, I'm concerned. You think that's true? No, don't worry. I'm not quite that far along. That um. <laughs> along the madness scale that I'd think Nanny is a better player than Rafael Leao right now. Okay. But, but I know which one I prefer. If it's not Rafael Leao, you and we need to have a word after this podcast is finished recording. A word will be had then. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome the word. You have problems. You get two words back. <laughs> my friend, you have some serious problems if you Start prefer with Nanny with to Rafael Leao <laughs> and his, his surfing celebration. He's, he's the most lovable player in Serie A at the moment. Yeah, but does does Liao do flips when he scores? I can't remember. Because, you know, surfing's all well and good, using an emoji and stuff. But, like, have you seen Nanny's flips? I don't think you still do them. Right. <laughs> but they were, they were very good back yeah, in the day. I've got two <laughs> points about Nanny's flips. One, he could injure himself doing them, particularly now in his old age. Yeah, but he but hasn't. Shut he's up, I've not, I've, not, I've not done two yet, have I? <laughs> And, and two, it's a celebration that we've seen so many times throughout the years, right? Like Obafemi Martins. What was the guy's mad name? Lua Lua. I can't, I can't remember. Uh, Lua Lua. He used to do flips. Yuri Kutska has done flips in the past. I think Obama Yang has done flips as well. A Bolton player did some point. at the weekend. A Bolton player did. A Bol- Come on. Exactly. Marlon Fossey. You're helping me here. <laughs> you're helping me. But then Rafael Leao has created a brand for himself just by using a surfing emoji that people joke that his keyboard consists of four letters, W-E-G-O, and then the surfing emoji. And (laughs) now he's doing it on the pitch. It's brilliant. I love it. Liao's celebration tops Nani's. Liao now tops what Nani ever was as a player. And in terms of likability, there's not even a comparison. So I'm not going to name the two of them in a sentence after saying the word likability because <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on. Rafael Liao, lovely player. Should say, um, Vito, I'll let you take this because Kev's not here. But Teo Hernandez, knowing that Kev wasn't going to be here, took the opportunity to sign an, a contract extension at Milan. He's going to be there now until 2026. I'm annoyed. We have to put up with him for another four years. I didn't want that. <laughs> uh, maybe the rumours about uh, Paris Saint-Germain weren't that strong or Paris Saint-Germain weren't offering him enough money. So he decided to stay put. <laughs> Look at you being a cynic in, in Kev's absence, Vito. I really <sighs> respect it. And I'm sure Kev will be very happy that somebody is carrying the mantle for him in his absence. Um. <sighs> I think that'll do, won't it? Yeah. Oh, we've got a contender for another an annoying Serie A player, right? And Ooh. I don't do myself any favours because it's another Milan one. But this has nothing to do with what he is on the pitch. He's just got a face that irritates me when he posts videos and stuff and f- there's photos from the dressing room. I'm going to ask you guys, can you guess who it is? Because if I've you could guess, idea. he's just got a slappable face. And it, oh, I just don't like his his whole thing at all. I'll I, give I wouldn't previously have 
thought this, but I came across a video like maybe a couple of weeks ago okay. like, of someone in a car, and it was Salamakas. Okay. And I got that sort of. I've not pursued it any further, but I got that sort of vibe from him. What was what was your feeling? What was the vibe you got from him? And what was your feeling? <laughs> I, I can't what it was now. He was like in a he was in a car, and there was some music playing, and he just looked very like trying to be cool, and I didn't really like it. And I got the sense that he might be feeling a bit more rock star than he is, etc. Okay, that's your guess. Vito, have you got a guess about which Milan player it could be? Uh, I'm going to guess Benacer. Okay, interesting one. Is there any reason for that? No, I don't know, uh, really. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I can't really think who, who else would have like a really annoying face. And I don't think Benacer's that annoying as such but um yeah probably aside from salamakers there aren't that many i suppose that really no, speak to mind look you're absolutely right it is alexis salamakers he oh wow i don't like his whole thing <laughs> i don't know what his whole thing is but i know it, it rubs me up the wrong way <laughs> generally speaking you. i i don't like any player who hasn't a name that I have to Google every single time I have to write about them. That's, that's, that's easy. I like players. Once, you, once you've got it down, it's all right. I've, I've got to a point now where I know how many AEs there are. But, and, Sh- and Shinzani's another one. Once you've got it, once you've got those four first letters, the S, C, Z, C, then, you, then you're, you're settled. <laughs> because there was a time when you were still relatively new to the site and you were doing Juventus articles and you tweeted saying I finally got the hang of the spelling of his <laughs> name and then I went in to edit the article that you had written wherein you had spelled it wrong it the right? <laughs> it's the Z's and the C's you never, never remember which way around they go it's like two of each or two and one Vito uh, yeah well back to actually the Liao stuff, you remind me of Salamakis a few times. He's made the ball claim that Rafael Liao can be the best player in the world. Back it. It's the only oh. thing that Salamakis <laughs> will ever say that I'll get Coming on board with. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. It, I still think he thinks he'll, yeah, he'll think uh, that Liao will win the Ballon d'Or one day. Mm. And he's well, by it. Given how much I'm falling head over heels for, for Rafa, I'll, I'll get on board with that at the moment, but not because of the speaker, more because of the content of what he said. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> on, just before we move on, on what Ewan was saying about this, the spelling of names, Christoph Piontek returning to Serie A has given me a few irritating moments as in the middle of a flow of an article. And then you think, oh, what? Where are the Zs in his first name? Because it is it is a difficult one when you are not Polish. Um, but I got into the rhythm when he was at Genoa, and I smashed it every time. I'll get back there. I just need to brush off the the weak, the uh, the rustiness and the cobwebs. But the all time worst for this was a player whose surname I've not said for years, and I, I can't remember how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to. He played for Borussia Dortmund and then joined for joined Fiorentina. But thankfully, his first name was Jakob and his oh, surname yeah. was very long. Um, but he had a very easy nickname, which was Kuba. So oh, yeah. that was acceptable <laughs> to use. 
Um, I think we all know why he had that nickname. <laughs> yes, we absolutely do, don't we? Um, because living in Italy with a name as simple as Connor Clancy, that's difficult enough to cause problems sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, what else happened? Atalanta Juve on the Sunday night. This was a good game, actually. Ruslan Malinovsky put Atalanta 1-0 up in the 76th minute with, I mean, if Ruslan Malinovsky scores, you, you know what's happened. He belted one in from about 25 yards, and it was a bit disgusting. And then Danilo scored in the 93rd minute with a, another stoppage time goal from a set piece that undid Atalanta. And Ewan, there will be a lot of frustration in Bergamo with this result, but ultimately... Avoiding defeat was always the big thing for Atalanta this evening. Yeah, when we talked about this on the preview, we were both pretty much on the same page of they're probably not going to win this game and they just need to do the best and see what happens. And it was a very makeshift team and a couple of individuals in the team didn't show up either. But they gave such a good account of themselves. And I mean, that almost sounds patronising. They played really well and they were unlucky not to end up winning the whole game. But none of that matters when the goal was that good. Like That's all that matters, is the quality of that goal. It oh. made me squeal in my oh. living room, and I was the only one in there. I wasn't even feeding off anyone. I just It just, a noise came out of me that I didn't expect. Um, and, and actually, your claim about him having the best, I don't know if you've actually claimed this specifically, but the best left foot I've not um, claimed this. of like anyone. We, we've talked about who's got a better left foot than Manowski from range. Okay. At some point in the past, and it came Probably up on comms. They said the the guy on comms, I think it's Adam Summerton, said he doesn't think that anyone in Europe has got a better left foot from range than Malinowski right now. Well, no, it depends because his left foot's not good. It's really powerful. I mean, like he can't play a pa- like Josip Bilicic has a better left foot than Ruslan Malinowski. He just doesn't have like gunpowder in it. That allows him to <laughs> kick the ball as fast as a bullet. I don't know how he puts so much power in a shot. It, it's outrageous. It, it was just the the dip of it as well. Is mm. what there, there was so many bodies there that um, I saw someone say it wasn't like quite in the corner, but you know, from a goalkeeper's perspective, there's so many bodies there, and it comes so fast and some from so far that it's there's absolutely no chance to keep should be saving that at all. When I watched it at first, I, I, I had the same reaction as you. I, I let out a noise that was like a lot higher than the pitches I usually mm-hmm. reach, even when I'm excited. But when I saw the replays post-match, the first time I saw the replay from directly behind the taker, I did think, oh, it wasn't really in the corner. But then I, I caught myself and I was like, no, nah, don't be stupid. Because <laughs> when you see the first angle, you see how powerful it is and how much it dips. And I think it's a case of replays making it seem worse because the reality of it was what we saw at first. The the replays, I mean, slowed down. It looks like Szczesny could have done more, but I honestly don't think he could because it was outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. But Vito, will there be some concern from an Atlanta perspective? Did I just say from an Atalanta perspective that... <laughs> They've conceded again in stoppage time and again through a set piece. Yeah, that is concerning because, uh, you know, it came, the goal from Danilo came two minutes into stoppage time and um, they definitely should have marked him better, in my opinion. 
the nil's a good size, I'll give him that, but uh, it's those moments where you still got to have maximum levels of concentration and uh, unfortunately it didn't work out. It might have been different though if Hatabul had put that chance away. I admit, it looks like an ang- awkward angle from where he received the ball, but I think someone like Hatabul has that knack of scoring goals even as a wing back. So I would have thought if he was in his previous form when he was fully fit, I thought it would have been Atalanta 2-0, game dead and buried, and that Danilo goal would not have meant uh, much. And considering the two teams are in the battle for that final Champions League spot, um, yeah, this game could be decisive. We talked about how Nima mentioned that Jacko goal could be that moment when it comes to the... Um, Scudetto race, if Inter wins, when it comes to sealing that fourth and final Champions League spot, that Hatterball miss, or maybe even more so the Danilo goal, those moments could be those decisive moments that we look back upon once this season ends. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. I, I think, in all, Atalanta will be pleased because they have the better head-to-head over Juventus now, because they, of course, beat them in Turin, so to, to draw was a decent result this evening, but when you're one up in the 91st, it's not great when you you end up only leaving with a point. But from a Juventus perspective, you and they ended up well not they, they didn't finish with all these players on the pitch, but there was a point when they had Paolo Dybala, Moise Ken, Alvaro Morata, Dusan Vlaovic, and I'm pretty sure another striker on the pitch at the same time, which is very unallegri like, but I suppose it, it worked. It was a, a bit of a desperate throw of the dice laid on, but the goal came, albeit through a centre back. Yeah, it sort of it worked in the literal sense that they scored a goal, but you know it came from a set piece and they looked completely disjointed. It wasn't the the difference between that last sort of twenty twenty five minutes and the first half of Juve was huge. In the first half, you could genuinely see the role that each player had, and they were all doing it relatively well. You know, everything other than scoring, and then. You know, later in the game, the changes, they just looked completely disjointed, kind of back to earlier season, you but you couldn't quite tell what anyone was doing. They were popping up in different areas on the pitch, but not in a good way, in a confused way. <laughs> and, you know, the, the goal could have happened regardless of who he threw on, really. It could have. Um, elsewhere, game of the week in terms of excitement, drama, twists, goals, sendings off, the lot... Sassuolo Roma finished 2-2 and I, I would have been at this any other weekend but I, I went to Genoa um, so I, I missed out. Chris Smalling got an own goal, Hamadroura I scored, Tammy Abram scored, Brian Cristante scored and Gianmarco Ferrari got sent off. So there were two English goals and a Canadian goal. That's quite nice isn't it? Kind of. I know I've kind of twisted that a little bit in that Cristante is Italian. And one of the English goals was a long goal. But you take the point. I thought it was quite nice. Um, Vito, Sassuolo are feeling a little bit like Atalanta in that they probably would have taken a draw beforehand, but they conceded in the 95th. Yes, and uh, again, to chances that probably should have been buried, I felt that uh, Davide Fratesi should have got amongst the scoring. I think, uh, you know, if he had scored, um, you know, that goal from Roma, that last one would have been irrelevant. You know, Sassuolo would have taken a 3-2 win. A good way to bounce back after losing 4-0 to something the week before. So, 
Um, that's one of those things with the swallow, though. <laughs> Why do yeah, you do it? You know. oh, well, look at him getting that in. <laughs> I, I had to feel better about myself for a bit. But, of course, you know, when you get a win after losing badly, it's always a confidence booster. But, yeah, in general, Sassuolo, again, you know, um, yeah, consistency is another letdown. And also with uh, having a new coach this season, Dionisi, after a few years under the Zerbi, I still think he's trying to get used to Serie A as well. So, mm. although Sassuolo, they, they know how to put on a show, I think Dionisi needs to manage certain moments in games a lot better but I think for him it's just a matter of gaining that experience you and I saw yesterday you were wearing a, a Venezia sweatshirt so maybe it was on Friday I can't remember but Venezia went and got a big win that takes them out of the bottom three I don't think many people would have expected them to win at Torino they've been one of the best home teams around this season and particularly given they only had two shots on target and they left with a 2-1 win yeah, it wasn't expected at all going into the game and it really, really wasn't after about half an hour because Torino were just creating non-stop. Venezia just looked completely lost. And then um then they you know, they they scored with really completely their first chance. That's you know, we often say that phrase, but it really was their first sniff at goal. And then scored a very nice goal just after the break and somehow held on. It's a massive, massive three points because this won't be this will be one of the games where they will have looked at it and thought mm, maybe we could get a point here if things go away but it won't have been one where they go that we need to win this game sort of thing and it's like a bonus three points for them Vito Lazio beat Bologna 3-0 this uh, Lazio uh, they're beyond analysis this season they're a stupid team they don't make any sense <laughs> one week they do this another week they're rubbish and I'm just I'm fed up <laughs> Well, at least the league form is good enough. I mean, the putting some wins together and getting clean sheets. But yeah, if we just look at the last seven days or so, it's crazy because they put up an excellent performance against Fiorentina in Florence last week to win 3-0. Then in the Coppa Italia, they get smashed 4-0 by Milan. And look, really, I think it's come to the point. Pepperain has got to retire. I think just <laughs> call it end. He have had a great career, but too many errors are coming into his game now. Just don't be like Buffon. Don't embarrass yourself. Just oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> How did this lead to you trying to end a man's career? Well, hang on, uh, hang on. I'm the line. Buffon's not embarrassing himself. He's 44. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's still good. Yeah, just some of the... I think it's more just some of the stuff that gets floated around, but he still thinks he can play the national team. Let it go! Peter, let me uh, tell you, Gigi Buffon's <laughs> going to be playing... If if Parma don't get promoted this season, Buffon's going to play until he's 48. Yeah, be right. I believe that. <laughs> if you got to 48, you've got you've got to get to 50. Yeah. Like, it gets it, to a point where you, you, know, you can't get to... Like when some people end their career on 99 goals, it's like, I don't care how old you are, you've got to keep playing. Look, I can't say a lot, but all I can say is that I wouldn't be surprised if Buffon was still playing as a 50-year-old. That's, that's <laughs> all I can say, but I would not at, be surprised. If he's at second division at 44, 
then like there's there's still decent amount of professional football that he could potentially get a game in for quite a few years, you'd think. And like, obviously, he's not going to, like you say, he wouldn't be going up in Serie A again. But... The, the USA exists. He could do yes. another season <laughs> yeah. at Parma and then go to the USA at 46 for three years and have a lovely time. Like, he's he's going to be rocking up. But anyway, <laughs> we're talking about Pepe Reina. And Vito, I just think it's awfully brave of you to, again, bring up something that you know Kev would jump on you for. Oh, he would. <laughs> he would. I'm, I'm, I'm all for making the ex-Liverpool keeper retire out of shame. <laughs> I think that's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, back back to um, Lazio in general. Yeah, another win for them. And, uh, yeah, I think Zakani definitely has had his best game for Lazio so far. He earned the penalty after Sumaro touched his face. And then in the second <laughs> half, he... Still, the result though. Um, yeah, it was like a slap. I think it was, yeah, just a bit clumsy from Samaro. Just keep the hands down a bit. But... It was a weird one for a penalty. Yeah. You see it a lot outside yeah. the box, but you True. don't see it in the box. Gonna take that right. as the opportunity of a link because when I was at the Morassi, at Morassi today for, for the Salernitana game, the man who was sat in the seat in front of me had his face touched by the man who was in the seat in front of him. Now, it was intended to be a slap, but it was one of the most, on, on the eve of Valentine's Day as well, one of the most romantic caresses of a face I've ever seen in a football stadium. And it happened twice. He, this man failed to slap this other man's face so desperately on two occasions that it became a thing where everybody was trying to defuse the situation. And then when that slap happened, people were thinking, what? We weren't expecting that to happen. That was odd. But on the pitch... No, okay, yeah, do you want to ask questions about it? Yeah, where is this in the stand? I'm really, I'm completely yeah. lost here. So what happened was there was, look, I'm, I'm going to be writing about this for Patreon, so we're not going to get into it too much, but I'll give you a brief right. synopsis, which was that somebody fell in the stand, not down the stand, just in the same bit, fell down mm. two rows. And then the, um, the medical staff were called in to help the person. And while the people around the person were like gathering to, to make way. A man started recording and this man recording was with another man. And the guy in front of me started shouting at him, telling him like, what are you doing? You're recording a person having a medical emergency. You idiot. Yeah. Um, and then the man's friend got really annoyed by this. Uh, despite the man who was recording saying, Oh yeah, fair enough. I didn't actually realize. Um, and then it just became a big thing. A big, <laughs> big thing that went on for, I'm not exaggerating to say, between 10 and 15 minutes <laughs> where they were <laughs> screaming at each just other's faces. Face stroking, going yeah. everywhere. And my leg was touching one of the men and I couldn't move it because I didn't want to startle anybody. So that was my position <laughs> in all of this. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football and you'll be able to read about that this week. Um, <laughs> what, what, what a trailer that is. <laughs> my leg was so. touching another man. I think <laughs> Subscribe so. Subscribe to read uh, My leg was touching another man whose face was being caressed. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst Not a medical emergency. 
Um, it finished 1-1, and that's we're not going to talk about it, either of you, but that's a result that suits neither of these teams because they're both bottom and second from bottom now after that result. So they look like they are both going to be spending next season in Serie B, and given what I've seen from both of those teams this year, they're not going to be missed, and they'll find their level in Serie B, and Vito, you'll finally get your wishes seeing the Rosso Blue get relegated. But um, elsewhere... You and Verona beat Udinese 4-0. And I didn't expect this to be so high scoring. I, I kind of thought Verona might pip them. But I thought 1-0, 2-0 at a push. 4? Yeah. That, I, I watched the first five minutes of this. I, I put it on begrudgingly. I had like 15 minutes to kill. And I put it on. I was like, oh, there's been a goal straight away. It was gone inside like two minutes. So mm. This is nice. Um, and... I did not expect there to be three more. Like I say, it just seemed like the sort of game, you know, in the afternoon, somebody wins 1-0. No no one really cares other than the people who were there, and that's the end of that. But, you know, Verona keep winning games. It is disrespectful, but I've said it now. So. Can we talk about the stats um, from this? Because, Vito, I'll let you jump in just a second, but Verona had six shots. Five of them were on target, and four of them were goals. Like, <laughs> I know, look... I don't want to start any conspiracy theories, but Marco Silvestri was their goalkeeper last season. Now he's at <laughs> Udinese. Did he forget? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Vito, you wanted to jump in and make what I expect was a serious point. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I was going to mention that Udinese actually did have quite a few chances themselves, but uh, Monty Paul actually made some good saves. So, yeah... I would have thought on some of the chances created, maybe Udinese could have added a few goals. But uh, look, putting aside uh, Silvestri facing his old club, uh, um, Verona, the, the type of team they're on the day, they are a good side to watch. And uh, um, they are a team that can create the share of chances and put them away. And four different scores is good. Surprising thing for me is that, you know, Two of the players are on loan from Samp and Caprari scoring, that's fair enough because I think he's been superb at Verona. And I think at Hellas Verona, he's probably found a place where he has been consistent. He's really looking like a leader in that attack. So I think he's really found a home for himself. But the first goal scorer, Fabio De Paoli, man, I could not believe that. Oh. He's, he's been underwhelming to say the least in Serie A. So to him to open the scoring... I, that still has not sink, sunk in with me. I'll be honest. It hasn't sunk in. No, nah, Vito, <laughs> look, the, there were two goal scorers with Atalanta passes as well. Tamez and the other, and De Pauli. And they're two players who, when they left, had very mixed feelings about their departures. I, I was disappointed that Tamez couldn't have been kept around to, to have an mm. impact. But De Pauli, I would have driven him myself at the point <laughs> because he was I a joke know. for, what, four mm. months he was there, unfortunately. But... Yeah, you and me both shared a fair bit of surprise at that one. Empoli Cagliari finished 1-1 as well at the worst stadium in the world. Andrea Pinamonti and Leonardo Pavoletti getting the goals at the Carlo Castellani. Um, and then on Monday evening, it's the, the Vincenzo Italiano derby with Spezia playing hosts, I believe, against Fiorentina. Is that right? Have I messed that up? Yes, Spezia are at home against Fiorentina no. Monday night at quarter to nine Italian time work that out for yourselves depending on where you are in the world that should be a really decent game actually I, I would recommend tuning in for it but that's us um, 
quick mention of me being happy this weekend because Parma, Parma won 4-1 and it was a really nice day. The first half was the worst half of football I've seen in my life. But then Parma decided to turn it on in the second. And Goran Pandev scored a goal. He, ca- he came on. He played 25 minutes, scored, made another, and then just trotted off, having turned the game around from 1-0 to 3-1. And it was just a lovely experience to see that happen. Vito, he's not a Genoa player anymore, so you can get behind Pandev now, I hope. Uh, yes, you know, he's okay. left the dark side. So I think a guy with his skills and experience, assuming he can stay fit, I think will make a good impact at Parma. So I think we were talking about, was it last week, that uh, the way things work in Serie B, they could make that late yeah. surge with the playoffs. And having Beppe Iacchini as coach in Serie B, he's got a track record for getting teams back into Serie A. So I think... With Pandev and yeah, Buffon, if he's Simi. playing well enough, yeah. Simi too. Yes, things weren't working out Salernitana, but you know, I think uh, if he can start scoring, Simi make a difference. And then um, Franco Vasquez, he scored a. I don't know about this game, but a couple of weeks ago, I saw on the website, guy unloaded, he scored a belt of a free kick. So mm. when you got those kind of players, if they're you know fit enough, they're in form, uh, and they can lead the team. Uh, maybe that late surge in the playoffs might come and we might see Parma back sooner than we would have thought. I think Parma get the playoffs this season just based on feelings and conversations I've had. I I think Parma get the playoffs. Whether or not they go up, I'm not sure. They're not going up automatically, but I think they get the playoffs. And once they're there, like you said, Buffon, Danilo, Schiattarella, Simi, Pandev, Vasquez, they've got players who are good enough and experienced enough to get them up. So let's hope. Let's hope. Like I said earlier on the show, though, guys, head over to patreon.com because I will have a an extra podcast as part of the, the Inside Italian Football Series going up this week from the Tardini, which was quite nice to record given the positivity of that second half um, <laughs> and the contrast between that and the first. If you listen along, you'll hear just how the Tardini greeted the players at halftime when they were going in 1-0 down against Bordenone. So, and then how it was at the end. I, I'd recommend it. I think it should be a nice listen. That'll do. We'll be back in midweek, like I said, with the two pieces of bonus content coming from myself and then the setting up preview pod to come at the end of the week. And, oh, the Champions League is back too. So we'll have another <laughs> bonus podcast as well. There's loads coming for you this week. So there's no excuse not to sign up for just five euro a month if you don't okay fair enough we'll speak to you guys next sunday but patrons will speak to you plenty in the week goodbye forte ricordo di quando bambini la gioia era dentro di noi E tutti quanti stretti per mano trepidavamo per te. Tornano spesso grandi ricordi, tu vivrai sempre con me. È Venezia che parla di te.
Siamo persone diverse ma ciò che ci lega è l'amore per lei Quando sul campo riappare con grande passione cantiamo per te Corri nel vento senza paura, lotta e combatti per noi 